We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Empowering listeners from the U.S. to the U.K. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco. I know you all are used to live on air with Stephen Cuoco, which we are, but we're adding a show. I'm doing something different. We've got my good friend, Jake Jensen, and I've got to go ahead and I'm going to read this. He's with us and I'm, I'm going to read this. So <laughs> thanks, Brian. Internationally published model, producer and actor Jake Jensen is going to explain how his passion of sports and acting perfectly align with his consulting work and career path. Jake will discuss some of the similarities and differences working with different populations, athletes versus actors, so on and so forth. So this is in addition, um, it's called In the Actors and Athletes Studio with Stephen Cuoco and Jake Jensen. This is brand new. We're gonna be doing this quite often and providing you know jake's schedule because he's filming commercials and doing you know photo shoots or people are wanting to photograph him and everything else jake it is our first official yeah. show of any actors and athletes studio with stephen cuoco and jake jensen how are you feeling I'm feeling great. Thanks for having Well, thanks for doing this show. It's great. <laughs> yeah, you were like, thanks for having me. Wait a minute. No, I'm not a guest. I'm going to be hosting. I'm, I'm going to be hosting this. So <laughs> not just a guest. So this is exciting. Uh, I'm honored to be working with you. Honored to know you. And here's something that we're going to be looking at. And I'm going to go to your comments. This was sent in by uh, Craig Michelson. And Craig had stated, it's truly funny how similar acting sports truly are. However, trying to trying to tell an actor that and they get pissy. Telling an athlete that and they love it. Where do we begin with this? <laughs> That's a great question. I love that comment. Um, actually, Craig's a, a friend of mine. We were in acting class together a few years ago in L.A. Uh, but he's also a baseball player. So he's athlete turned actor. It's interesting because, you know, I think a lot of uh, the actors I know went into either the theater world or even TV, film and commercials because they didn't fit in sports. You know, our, our, our society here in the U S is so sports centered and so focused on sports. And I think sometimes actors were gravitate towards, uh, something away from sports, especially they didn't feel like they were very athletic. And so I think there's a little bit sometimes of that, hey, we we went away from sports so that we have a place where we fit in and belong. So I think there is a little bit of that attitude, whereas I find that athletes are always very fascinated by actors and like, oh, wow, that's, that's so interesting that you're also an actor, that you're you're working with actors. So I think there's a lot of truth to that statement, but it, it definitely made me laugh yesterday when I when I read it. I don't know how many people know. We know that your circle is large and that it is not uncommon and it is known that you work as a professor, you work in this world as a, you know, a, a sports psychologist. How does that tie into what you do as a model and actor? And before you answer that, Jake, isn't this, is it just sports psychology or where does it begin when we think about health and well-being and fitness emotionally, mentally, and physically, where do you start? Well, you, you asked a lot of great questions there. Um, I believe that the field of sports psychology, when I first uh, got into it in the 2008, I believe is when I started my master's degree. And then I ended up uh, going on and getting a PhD in sports psych. The emphasis was really on working with elite athletes. That was what, Everyone in my classes, it was like, we want to work with professional athletes, professional teams. And as I progressed in the field as the last 10 years or so, it's really expanded to sport, exercise, and performance psychology, realizing that 
as sports psychologists, we have this huge population that we can can help and that we can uh, work with that is outside of elite athletes. I mean, elite athletes are a very, very tiny part of society. So if we can help people manage anxiety, live healthier lives, practice mindfulness and, and overall wellness, we can reach such a larger population. And, and, and then for me, obviously, with my interest in acting and performing arts, there's a whole population there that can, can benefit as well. So our national organization, the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, has really emphasized the last, I would say, you know, five years is really branching out much more than just sport, but to, like I said, exercise settings, uh, performance settings. And, and it's really, um, it's great to see that shift. Uh, in in our field, because I think we can reach so many more people if we expand beyond thinking of just working with elite athletes. Uh, Big shout out to Rick Rush. Uh, Thank you for the love and support. And if you're listening to us, whether on the iOS or Android app or on the Power 98.5 satellite radio app, click the bottom right-hand icon. That is a messenger. Share your love. If you have a question for Jake, a question for me, whatever it may be, or if you just, once again, want to share the love and say, you know, hey, Jake, I love you. Love what you're doing. When can I see more of you? Just click that icon on the bottom right-hand corner, and myself, my team, we will go ahead and share what you are sharing with us and sending in. Uh, when I think about sports psychology, Jake, it reminds me, as you know, I have a background working in mental health over 15 years. Uh, it's something that uh, I enjoy doing. Uh, it's something that I have enjoyed doing, especially when I was full-time at the at one time. And understanding your career, which I love most, is the the vibe and synchronicity that we have with each other. You know, I work on, you know, people who had struggled with identity crisis and eating disorders, uh, 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 what is that, uh, imposter syndrome, uh, smoking, you know, everything that you can think of. Uh, it's from sports to acting to the industry that we're in. It seems to be very different, unless you can correct me. Do you work... Uh, in is sports psychology a lot like working in mental health or what do you specifically do to help professional athletes or anyone in sports what does it mean you know once again i know i asked it before but it deserves to be slightly or if not asked again how is it different from what i do well that's a great question and there's really two branches of sports psychology there's those that go through traditional psychology graduate programs, and then there's those that go through more of a kinesiology, uh, the study of human movement, sport, that um, goes into sports psych. And I purposely chose the kinesiology route because I, I wanted to focus on helping individuals in performance settings manage anxiety, manage stress, uh, related to performance. Um, that being said, I also took a lot of classes in psychology and counseling, but I am, I don't treat mental health issues. I obviously have to be able to recognize symptoms, warning signs, hopefully stop it before it, it progresses further. But in the case of, if I'm working with um, an individual who does uh, seem to be showing signs of an eating disorder, clinical depression, et cetera, then I need to, then I refer them. I have a network that I refer them to. Um, so I'm a certified mental performance consultant, but I am not a licensed psychologist. So ethically and legally, I am not, I personally can't treat actual mental health issues. Although I think it's incredibly important that anyone in sports, like no matter what route you go, has a lot of knowledge of mental health because that's so important. And I'm so happy to see so many more um, athletes, you know, professional athletes willing to share their, their struggles with mental health because that dialogue and, and being willing to talk about it is so crucial. Um, I, I'm sure I've worked with individuals over the last 10 years that, that were scared to, to talk about mental health. And I think now we're, we're starting to really, it's, it's more acceptable and open uh, to talk about it, which is great to see. And I don't know if that, that clarified or answered your question at all. 
It, it does, and it did. And I want to read something here. Sports psychologists help athletes improve their performance. In most sports psychology careers, you work with athletes on motivation, stress management, visualization, effective teamwork, and other psychological factors affecting athletic performance, exactly what you covered. Is there one that stands out the most, Jake, that you find to be very repetitive uh, in your field that is at the top of the list that you address with an athlete? I would say two jump, two come to mind. Uh, the first one is uh, relaxation techniques. Everyone, no matter what performance setting you're in, whether you're an athlete or an actor, you have to be able to relax. And I'm and not being so relaxed that you're not, you know, ready to perform and, and ready to compete. But learning to to relax in the pressure moments uh, when when there's stress, whether that's on the athletic field or on on set, there's going to be stressful moments. And and having some techniques, I think, is very very useful for athletes and ad actors, anyone performing, whether it's simple uh, breathing exercises. We also do a technique called progressive muscle relaxation, where you actually practice. Uh, purposely tensing up your major muscle groups and then re- and then releasing that tension basically so you feel like you have more control over what over so when you're feeling yourself tensing up you can release that tension i also do a lot of uh, work with um, meditation and using that as a relaxation exercise and then i would say the second one is imagery uh, often we call it visualization but um, imagery is actually incorporating all of the senses. So if you're mentally rehearsing a performance, you're not just seeing yourself doing it, you're hearing the sounds of the crowd, you're hearing what your scene partner is saying, you're, you're, uh, you're using all the senses to make it as real as possible. So I would say relaxation and imagery are, are probably the two skills that I work most uh, with, with, with my clients and whoever I'm, I'm working with. Have you ever worked or advised to do EMDR? Um, and I'm assuming you've heard of uh, the eye movement desensitization, have you? I have heard of it. It's not something I'm trained in, so I have not uh, specifically worked with that. I'm going to tell you when I was a kid, uh, it was recommended. I'm, I'm an advocate for EMDR. Uh, for anyone, and so you know, uh, definitely look into it. It really is something to where it could fit perfectly in, not only because of who you are, Jake, and because you're exceptional, but also it would make sense, I would believe, as a sports psychologist, because it really is going in and working on a holistic therapeutic level, not psychological level, more of a holistic, that EMDR can offer when you're going, you're watching a video or someone's moving a ball or there's something going on that um, has your eyes going back and forth to consciously and subconsciously connect, but you're not going deep. You're not going deep into hypnosis or anything. For me, it worked Um, as a kid. I'm a true advocate because here's the thing. When people think of psychology or psychologists, there's still a stigma around that. And I know from working with professional athletes, professional athletes are trained to always win, compete, train, win, compete, train, win, and in between rest and everything else like that. The disadvantage I find that most athletes experience is the lack of of a support system that you and myself can offer in their field because most of the time people think, well, either their coach is going to address it where most, most coaches are not even qualified like you are, and they don't have, they're not therapists or psychologists. So it's more of this underlining of like a pep talk or it's, it's utilizing the, from what I call a familiar friendly uh, bond that they have. So it's, it's that friendship bond. It's that, that parental bond. It's, it's that familiarity that usually works when I see coaches uh, who work with athletes. 
But when we think of things that have happened, like with Michael Phelps and Caleb Dressel and many other athletes, whether openly or not openly of what happens to them, I sit back and I wonder, why did this happen? <laughs> We're talking about athletes who are being paid five, six, seven figures. Why are there now later publicly um, expressing these sort of disconnections on an emotional and mental level with an athlete, it would be like, wouldn't they already have something set up for them or some sort of systems in place so that the athlete doesn't become burnt out, overly exhausted, constantly in fight or flight. But when we look and consider their profession, they are in fight or flight because they have to perform. And, and if they're not performing they really get themselves almost like what I call like an, an addiction, like the the psychosis and, and of the the person becomes used to and becomes um, almost like I would like to say of of something that they become accustomed to. And if they're not performing and training and winning, then it is a shock, I believe, to the emotional mental state of being. Because then it's like, what do I do now? And that's the number one thing that where I consult with a lot of athletes on a side is about purpose and identity. And they really struggle when they're not in the pool or on the track or on the field or hitting a ball. What are your thoughts about systems that need to be in place? And how can we as a public or as professionals come together to emphasize to these baseball leagues and football leagues and, and sports across from UFC to everything else that these people are not just people and a product, that they are human beings and they need more of a support system than just training and a coach. Yeah, I mean, you brought up so, so many good points there. And, you know, I think at the professional level, we're doing much better with having that support system, a sports psychologist, uh, clinical sports psychologists they can also treat the mental health that's that's much more mainstream now for most uh, professional teams and certainly all the olympic teams i've got friends in the field who are who are uh, sports psychologists for the some of the olympic teams so i think that's we're doing a much better job at that level the problem is when you go down from that level or it's simply that the support is not there. Even, you know, even at uh, where I'm a professor, Cal State Northridge, we have one person who does 16 hours a week for all of the athletes. And there are hundreds of athletes. That's very little time that, that really, I mean, that's, we need more than one person doing, you know, part-time work with, with the athletes. And if you go down to youth sport or high school sport, it's almost non-existent uh, because there's just not, funding for it uh, in the schools to have that. So some of my graduate students I have out in the high schools uh, doing mental training and work, and it is so beneficial for these high school athletes to have somebody that they can go to. Um, and it's great for my, my graduate students who need to get their hours for certification, but it also, you know, they're, they're basically donating their time. And, and it's been really interesting to see how much they've helped these, you know, these high school athletes need that, that support so much. So I think we have a long way to go in terms of mental training being just as important as having a strength and conditioning coach, just as important as having a coach, that that's an essential part of, of an athletic department of anything. I, however, I think in individual sports, you know, we still, I mean, Naomi Osaka, probably the most, well, she's the She's the highest paid female athlete in the world. I mean, she struggled with mental health issues for quite a while, finally talked about it in the last uh, couple of years. But I remember about a year ago, she said, well, I'm finally working with a therapist. And I'm like, you're a, a multimillionaire. You're very famous. And you're just now turning to someone. Because I think there's still such that stigma. Of, I don't want to show that I'm weak. I, I need to be tough. There's such an emphasis on winning that that there's still that I, I I I'm weak if I go to someone I'm weak if I admit that and and when we simply need to to you know change that that attitude and and it's I think it's slowly happening but part of it's also just we need more people becoming sports psychologists 
Um, I was just looking on our um, our website, the Association for Applied Sports Psych, and like in California, there's only 72 certified consultants right now. That's nothing when you think about the population size we have in California, the major metro areas, San Diego, LA, the Bay Area, and we only have 72 certified sports site consultants. That's not enough. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of work is still to be done there. And there's a lot of opportunities for anyone, you know, wanting to go into this field as well. What's, what is it going to take? The training, the length, the, the financial investment. Can you advise us or give us some more insight on what do we need to do to become that if we want to? I think there's a responsibility on anyone who's in the field to be willing to donate some of their time, giving workshops. You know, I can't go to every high school in LA, but I can get some of my graduate students out there. I can, you know, from, from maybe once a month, go and talk to coaches or volunteer to talk to athletic directors. I think visibility, we just have to be out there more. And uh, so that, so that that becomes something that they're willing to think about funding or, um, you know, being part of, I think private schools potentially, you know, have more of a budget for that, but we have to figure out a way in public schools to get that support, to get that mental training beyond just, you know, what the counseling center, for example, I think there really are specific needs that, that athletes, and I would say anyone in a high performance setting need that support. And it's, you know, it's expensive uh, to hire a private, private sports site consultant. Uh, but I think if we're willing to, to donate more of our hours and time to, to broaden the understanding of sports like that's going to help a lot. And then in terms of funding and, and that, you know, that's something honestly to, to really look into and think about. I, I don't have an answer for that right now. There is a difference between well-being and coping. We hear a lot about the well-being. And I know that, you know, once again, Michael Phelps touched on a lot, and especially when it came to meditation and reflection and everything else uh, for well-being. But once again, where do people start to recognize the area of coping and the warning signs that there is either a potential problem or disconnection or a fight or flight uh, situation happening here. How can someone, even if they're not trained like you, whether they're a coach, a parent, um, a mentor, a social worker, where can someone identify when it comes to their children or their teammates, whatever it may be that, oh, there is a coping problem here. The athlete, the young athlete, the minor, all the above, the, there's a, a decline in performance. There is a decline in attention. There's a decline in academic. Can you share something on that? Yes, I mean everything you I agree with everything you said. I obviously a decline in in performance related to the sport or or the performance setting, that's an obvious sign. But I think paying attention to a, a loss of interest in in other things. You know, maybe they're they love to play the guitar and they're not playing the guitar anymore. Maybe they love, you know, going out with friends and they're not being as social. I think it's all of those little signs, uh, sleeping more, not seeming interested in school, in social life activities, seeming much more hesitant to share and be open with family and friends. I think those are all very important signs to pay attention to. And sometimes it may be as simple as they just need a, a week off. I have an athlete that I'm working with right now that I said, you know, I don't want you playing your sport over spring break next week. Go do something fun. Go somewhere, do something, but don't don't practice for a week. I could just sense that she was burning out a little bit, and and that was my advice. And her parents were like, "But she's got, you know, all these competitions coming up." And and I said, "Just just let her have the week off. She needs that." And and fortunately, they supported that. And um, that's not always the case, but I think you know we have to be willing to sometimes say it's okay to take a step away for for a week. It's okay to take a break. 
it's okay to to not be training at full capacity every moment of the year. I mean, these sports are becoming so specialized from such a young age, and you know, we're we're treating these youth athletes like like professional athletes in terms of the commitment of time and. So I think um, paying attention to warning signs, and I, and you you hit a lot of those, Steve. Uh, like I said, lack of interest in in school, lack of interest in social life. Those are very important aspects, obviously, in, in addition to sport and performance that we have to also pay attention to. And you know, I think really really listening, really paying attention. Um, that those are those are key key. Uh, concepts to, to remember. It reminds me of FOMO, the fear of missing out. I believe, you know, I've even had, I think we all as human beings have that FOMO <laughs> type Absolutely. Of, of, a, of a situation that we're dealing with because when you're so used to go, 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 go. And, and athletes, as you know, Jake, on once again, it's all about training competition. It's, it's being a machine. And I believe for most of them, it's extremely difficult, if not nearly impossible for an athlete, depending on whatever caliber and expectation that one puts on themselves. And then coach, school, peers, family, I, I, some it could take the rest of their life to know and to figure out what is it like to be a human being and no longer a machine? And that's what we're really dealing with. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's why I try to take such a holistic approach uh, to my to my work because ultimately I want everyone I work with to be a, a happier, better, well-adjusted human being. Um, obviously, I want to help them with their performance, but ultimately I think they're going to perform better if, they, if there's some balance in their lives and that they are developing an identity beyond just that of, of athlete or, or actor. I see it you know, with actors too, that that becomes such a part of their identity that, that they, they can't think or develop other, you know, if you're not booking a job that if your only identity is that of actor, that can get very, very discouraging it, and it can really take its toll. And so having, you know, an identity outside of the, the sport or the um, performance setting is, is essential. Um, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I certainly learned that. I remember, you know, finishing college and my identity had been a tennis player for so long that it was a really, really difficult time for me. Um, realizing that I probably was not going to go and have a, you know, a huge professional career. I, I was good, but I wasn't, you know, there's so many uh, better players than I was, but that was still such a huge identity for me that, that it, I went through kind of an identity crisis. And I remember just feeling lost and not knowing what to do. Um, so I, you know, I think because I've been through that too, I, I really relate to, to what that feels like to, to have such an identity focused on one thing. And I think that is important to there's nothing wrong with having an identity as an athlete, for example, but you need to, you know that that's not your only value and your only identity that you that you bring. Would you say that the comparison of what is expected and required of an athlete is the same as what can be required of an actor? I think yes. I think in many ways, uh, the beauty of, of actors is you have your whole life to develop your your your, your, uh, skills. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I mean, there's actors that reach their peak at, in their forties, fifties. Um, you know, we're seeing that with, um, Jennifer Coolidge right now, who, you know, her career is blowing up and I, and I don't know how old she is, but later in life, which is great to see. Um, whereas an athlete, you know, your, your prime, <laughs> it's such a shorter, typically such a shorter, uh, you know, by the time you're 35, 40, you're, you're probably outside your prime by that point. So I feel like it's a little bit accelerated with, with, um, athletes, whereas actors have a little bit more of time. But that being said, I think a lot of the, the pressures are, are very, very similar. 
And how are you doing as an actor, an athlete, a facilitator? Where Where's Jake Jensen now in his life? So I, I'm in a really good place to start off with. Um, I have a very healthy identity as an athlete now. Uh, tennis is still a huge part of my life. I play four or five times a week. I absolutely love it. It's the best stress uh, management release that I can can do for myself. So, but I have a very healthy relationship with uh, tennis uh, now, um, and realizing that it's a lifetime sport that I can play. I love it. I love watching it. I love playing it. So I'm very healthy relationship with tennis now, which I'm very grateful for because so many athletes that I, you know, athletes my age are not playing their sports anymore. And they have this kind of, you know, they're almost PTSD from, from it. So I'm very grateful to not be in that situation. Um, my acting career is, is uh, doing well. Um, it's, I'm getting more and more opportunities. I'm working hard at it. Uh, I've been in LA now for nine years and, and have worked very consistently and steadily at, at growing as an actor. Um, so I feel like good things are, are coming um, and I just keep, keep plugging away at it. But I'm at a good place in my life professionally, personally. Um, you know, the great thing I've always said is I get to be my own case study. You know, studying sports psychology, I got to practice it all on myself and it's great. I mean, I get to, to practice all the, the techniques that I teach. I get to, to practice mindfulness and relaxation techniques and meditation. And it's made me a much, I think, happier, healthier, and well-adjusted person than I was uh, as a, you know, early 20s college athlete. And I wasn't practicing all that. And I wish I had. I wish I had someone teaching me that and, and helping me. And I didn't. And now you are what I call a master and a master is a student and teacher at the same time. And isn't it just incredibly wonderful and what a privilege that you're able to know and to be educated and experienced in these different areas and positions because you're able to reinforce with your clients and subject. This works. Absolutely. Yeah. It does work. And the fact that I still, in sports, I mean, I still train at a fairly high level. I still compete in, you know, age division and national tournaments and things. And the fact that I'm still competing, I think, really helps me relate to my athletes. It's obviously not at the level, you know, it's not, but it's still a, it's still a high level. And I'm still, you know, I still get nervous and I still get that excitement of, of playing a tournament. And so I think that really does help. And the fact that I also, you know, live that as a, as a D1, uh, NCAA D1 athlete. And then I think with actors, the fact that I'm, I'm also going out there and auditioning, I'm also booking a job and then seeing my scene cut from a movie. And I know what that feels like. And I know what it feels like to book a job and, and then, you know, not have it happen or, have it canceled because of COVID a few years ago or, you know, whatever it is, I think that makes me very relatable because I, you know, obviously I don't want to focus too much on myself when I'm consulting, but the fact that I've lived a lot of what they're going through with my clients, I think that really does help a lot that I, that I know what I, I have some sense of what they're going through. It helps out greatly. And one of the things that I would like to share of what I know of, for a fact, with understanding of how an athlete and an actor are so synergistically in equal in the familiarity on an emotional, mental, and physical level is all have this main purpose. And it is the pursuit for excellence and a willingness for mastery to be their best to perform their, at their best and to do their best and to also set goals and expectations to go above and beyond to find out who they are as a person of what can be unimaginary but turn into reality. Yes, I mean, I would absolutely agree with that. I think sometimes we, you know, we focus on the dark side of uh, sports or performance and there's so many great lessons we do learn from it striving to be our best goals learning how to set goals 
learning how to put dedication and applying ourselves. There's so many great things and certainly something that I've been very impressed with since moving to LA is, you know, I already knew how hard, you know, top athletes work, but I have so much respect for, for actors in LA that are working so hard to, you know, get that guest star, to get that uh, series regular role, to, you know, to to make acting a, a, a career that, that um, supports them. I am blown away by the the level of dedication. Obviously not every actor, but there's so many out there that are so talented and so good and working so hard. And I really um, am impressed and, and respect that so much. Um, and I think that's something, you know, that, that I didn't realize until I really got in the trenches with them and, and have huge respect. Jake, is there anything that you want to close out with? I mean, there's so much more I feel like, you know, that we can share. And that's why I'm so excited that we're going to be, uh, you know, doing this show. But um, I w- maybe just end with, and we, and we can talk about this more on other shows, but my the four pillars of my consulting are mindfulness. I think that really sets a foundation for, for anyone. Being more mindful, being more present, more aware, staying in the moment, not worrying about the past dwelling too much on the future. I think that's essential. And mindfulness really helps you to stay in that moment. The minute you, you know, start worrying about what's happened in the past or or the future of what's going to happen, that throws you out of out of your ideal performance state, whether you're an actor or an athlete. As an actor, the minute you start ju- jumping outside your own self and judging your performance, that just does not help at all. So Mindfulness, and then my second pillar of my consulting is, uh, I call it the Mars approach. So mindfulness, accountability. Who are you accountable to? Obviously, first and foremost, yourself. What are you doing to to grow as an actor, to grow as an athlete? Uh, what are you also doing um, to, to build the business? I mean, as an actor or as an athlete, you know, as you move up, higher and higher. It is a business. And who are you accountable to? Coaches, managers, uh, uh, whoever you're on set with, teammates, uh, scene partner. You have an accountability to yourself, but also to others. And then resiliency is the the R in the Mars approach. It takes resiliency, whether you're an athlete or an actor, it takes enormous resiliency to, you know, go on a 20 match losing streak and be able to still go out to practice and, and turn that around to have 20 auditions that you're not booking and to be able to keep, keep positive and keep motivated. Something I just realized is that the athletes and the actors that, that are successful are incredibly resilient. And sometimes that takes years, years of resiliency. It doesn't have, so for some it happens overnight for others, it takes years and years. And then the, Fourth, which I think may be the most important component of the Mars approach is self-care. Athletes, actors have to take some time for themselves and practice self-care. And that can be take its form in many different ways. So again, I'd love to, you know, obviously in other shows focus on these different pillars more, but remember the importance of mindfulness, accountability, resiliency, and self-care. And, and that's kind of the, the philosophy that I work from. And I, and I believe in it because I practice it myself. Well, we're going to have many, many more, many, many more shows. Good, <laughs> good. I'm excited. In the Actors and Athletes studio with Stephen Cuoco and Jake Jensen, all great things. Jake Jensen, head on over to his Instagram, J-A-K-E-J-E-N-S-E-N Media, Jake Jensen Media. When are you getting yourself on TikTok, my friend? I, I, that my students tell me that every week, you know, you got to get on TikTok. So it's going to happen soon. I'm going to tell you, like I do my best. I post what I want, when I want, and I keep it in alignment to what I'm doing with you. Oh man. You're probably going to, I think I have like what? 23.4 K followers or so. And I can range anywhere between 300 to 1500 views. I did find out some, uh, it, it was shared online and in the news that TikTok decides who goes viral or not. We all know the, the tips and tricks behind the scenes. 
with you, I highly doubt that you're you're not going to have a problem. I can picture you blowing up and I'm going to go to your TikTok and make, okay, Jake's got 1 million followers. Not surprised, you know. <laughs> I'm only at 23.4K, um, <laughs> but hey. Well, as, as long as I don't have to dance, do one of those TikTok dances, I'll be okay. <laughs> hey, if you're winning a tennis match or something or, or you're, you're on the red carpet, why not? You've got the perfect Why not? I can do it. I, it. It'll be good. Yeah, I can laugh at myself. There, that's for sure. And you know what? I don't recall ever seeing someone of your caliber and education and expertise on TikTok. People are talking about, you know, you got the uh, attorneys talking about car crashes and tax people and um, real estate people and uh, interior designers. I have not, and I'm going to tell you for a fact, I have not come across one TikTok video about sports psychology, sports, sports psychology and acting, nothing. You could be the first. Well, let's do it. I'm going to be the first. You are going to be. That sounds great. I will. I'm going to do it this week. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, and I'm going to be one of your top, if not your first follower. Sounds good. Uh, Jake, is Instagram right now your main go-to for people to connect with you, or is it uh, Instagram, IMDb? Where do you want people to reach out? Instagram's great. I mean, that's probably social media that I'm that I check and I'm on the most right now. Uh, I, I'm not sure with the IMDb if you can direct message me through that, or I think my contact certainly um, is on there. And and so IMDb is good. Uh, Instagram. I don't know. It's TikTok. Once I'm on that, or can people message me through that? Oh, yeah. I don't even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that'll be coming, but yeah, I think that either one of those is great. Jake, I'm excited. How do you feel about our first show? I, I feel great. I love talking about this. And, you know, I said to you, I think off air a few days ago that, you know, I love teaching, but I only reach, you know, 30 students at a time, the ability to reach, a much broader audience through radio, through TikTok, through social media. It's something I really want to do because I feel like I have so much to share, so much experience and, and education and knowledge that if I can engage a larger population, I think that's that's the next step for, for me for professionally, but also I think I'll, the people I can meet through this and, and reach is going to be, uh, it's going to be fantastic. And as you're building momentum and, you can start whenever you can put into your Instagram story. When you get on TikTok, you can share a video on air. Be like, you know, hey, if you have any questions, if if there is there something you can propose, another question of what do you have going on in your life right now that you could use some help in or advising, like especially with TikTok, because TikTok, I would say, is the uh, 411 of information. I mean, if you want to go, it's, it's, I'm going to say like TikTok is the new Google. Honestly, if you want to know something, Hmm. I mean, people are either sharing content or asking questions or both. I, I'm going to tell you this, this can open up to you receiving comments and compliments and questions all at the same time. Everything for you to bounce off of going all the way back to simply, and I'm going to head on back to Jake Jensen media uh, when, you know, it, it's important. And it was by, um, Craig Michelson when he made that statement and that turns into a topic, I have to reread it. It's truly funny how similar acting and sports truly are. However, try telling an actor that, and they get pissy telling an athlete <laughs> that, and they love it. You can have a, a good conversational you know, piece from that and share insight. Cause this isn't, this isn't stuff that people are talking about. Honestly, if it wasn't for you, Jake, I wouldn't be probably having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I said earlier, we need more conversations like this. Uh, And I, and I think we are doing something really important so that people are hearing about this much more than they have. And so this is, this is exciting, I think for, for me, and I can tell you're excited, Steve. So can't wait for the next show. Yeah. And honestly, these athletes need it. I'm, 
I'm meeting with an athlete's manager tomorrow, uh, going to be giving her a call. Uh, and I, top, top athlete. <laughs> the yeah. name is so worldwide known. And I have been advocating that there needs to be more people like you and me in the business. And yes, I handle the PR side. I don't, I, I don't specifically handle the psychological side. Um, uh, any longer. And I do refer out, uh, I, I am capable and I do, you know, I, I am counsel and I share to, to where I'm comfortably wanting to share and at the discretion to, you know, follow the law and to protect myself and a person who I'm suggesting, but I always hold my clients or people that I consult, uh, with, accountable. And then I'm like, listen, either you need to talk to an attorney or maybe you need to talk to someone like with Jake Jensen or who, or your coach, whatever it may be. But I had made many statements, uh, with athletes and their coaches or their management team that there has to be a better system put into place for these athletes besides a system that is governed strictly around and about performance because they're human beings and they cannot be a machine 24 seven. It's unrealistic. Yeah. Soldiers cannot be soldiers 24 seven. We all know what happens with people in the military. Sports is no different. Yeah, absolutely. I actually went to a conference a few weeks ago for, uh, those in the military that were coming back from deployment from last year, they had all been in Poland for 10 months away from their families. And it was very eye-opening, you know, to see what that, you know, transition back into civilian life is like. And so, yes, I think, again, um, there's so many opportunities that sports psychologists can, can help in so many different, whether it's the military, whether it's acting, whether it's, you know, athletes, of course, and I think, you know, being proactive, taking a proactive approach to mental training. So it's not just reacting to a problem. I think so many times, you know, it's just a reaction to to not, you know, performing well or to being burned out. But if we can be proactive and, and learn these skills before there are, you know, are, are problems, that's the ideal way to do it. Uh, it's just the reality is that often it's much more of a reactive approach. But um, yeah, being proactive is so important with this. Thank you, Jake. You are live in the Actors and Athletes Studio with Stephen Cuoco and Jake Jensen. It's been a great honor, and I'm really excited for you. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has been a great opportunity, and I appreciate all of all of our listeners and and comments. And uh, you, you, you're all great. So, thank you so much. Thank you, Jake. Hold the line, Jake, and uh, we're going to be closing out. And do you want to give a shout out to anyone or any closing thoughts at all? I just uh, look forward to, to sharing more and thank you for everyone who's supported me and uh, including Stephen. He's been a great support and, and friend and, and I think we um, align very well in, in terms of uh, what we're what we're doing. So thank you so much. Oh, I'm excited and you are most welcome, Jake. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in to In the Actors and Athletes Studio with Stephen Cuoco and Jake Jensen. All great things Jake Jensen. Head on over to his Instagram at Jake Jensen Media, J-A-K-E-J-E-N-S-E-N Media. You can always head on over to power985.com. Click the icon, the messenger in the bottom right-hand corner. For any and all upcoming shows, please submit your questions, share the love. If you want to, you know, go ahead and have have us do a shout out for you for something that you're doing um, or even a question for Jake or if ever in the future for Catherine Swain with Catherine and Company, Resilient You with Alicia Pazzoni. New episode with Alicia Pazzoni is going to happen this Saturday, 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern. And then let me tell you with Lady T with Terrelia Hoskins, I believe she should be back with a new episode sometime during the end of the first week. Um, I don't know if she's going to have an Easter Sunday episode. Her show airs 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. She is currently 
a bi-weekly show. We will find out. My birthday happens to be on Easter Sunday, April 9th. I'm very surprised. Normally it falls on a Thursday or Friday, sometimes a Saturday. This year, it's going to be on Sunday, Easter Day. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Once again, all great things Jake Jensen. His Instagram, Jake Jensen Media. And that's his last name is J-E-N-S-E-N. And he will be on TikTok soon. I'm excited and I will be following him. Download the Power 98.5 Satellite Radio iOS or Android app. Remember, you can tune in on Alexa. If you've got the Fire Stick, the Alexa is available there. If you happen to use Siri... Just go ahead and, you know, prompt her to to open up Power 98.5. We also stream live 24-7 on MyTuner, Radio Line, Streama, Streamitter, Live FM, Radio, and more. However, just keep it and make it simple. Just download the app, listen to us on Alexa, or head on over to power985.com. Super excited of many more things that are happening. And speaking of sports, uh, we have uh, coming up. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I know I have it. Where did I put it? <laughs> Here we go. Speaking of sports, I've got Gregory Sinat. He is a professional football player with the New York Giants. Uh, that's going to be quite interesting. Uh, looking forward to that interview and just to make it, I'm going to pull it up here to be very specific. If you guys don't know, cause let's see, Gregory Sinat, he and I have had some really good conversations. I know he's uh, doing speaking engagements right now. So Gregory Sinat is an American football offensive tackle for the New York Jets. He's 28 years old. He looks like he's 24. Uh, we've been having a conversation. We, He and I are connected on Instagram, and uh, it's been several months to get to this point to where we're at because it's all about building relationships. And I'm once again, I'm very happy to share Mr. Greg Sinat uh, is going to be Sunday, April 2nd, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, Power, 98.5 Satellite Radio, Power, 985.com. Have a great day, everyone. Friend us on your socials and let's connect.